Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, head of marketing of Finos, and this is the Open Source and Finance Podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, I have a great conversation with Monica Sasso, who's the EMEA Financial Services Chief Technologist at Red Hat. We talk about the Tech Gateway event that she was involved in along with Finos, but along with the way we see her journey through finance and open source to get her to where she is now. So sit back and hit the music. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, Head of Marketing for Finos. Hope you're doing well. Today, my guest is Monica Sasso. She's the, I can never say this, it's E-M-E-A. EMEA. 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 It's like I have, you know, no no control of the English language. Thank you. Um, so she's the EMEA Financial Services Chief, Chief Technologist at Red Hat. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Grizz. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for joining. And, um, uh, you know, we're going to talk about um, a couple of different things in, in this podcast. Uh, but I really, you know, I'd really like to start with you. Um, I'd like to start with, you know, who's Monica? Um, you know, what kind of has taken you to this role within Red Hat? And, and a little bit about your journey. Sometimes we do developer journeys, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, but I would really like to know, you know, um, I noticed in, in your profile that you went to Florida State and you went to Georgia Tech, but now you're living in the UK um, and working for Red Hat and have worked in financial services as well. So, um, so I'd like to know a little bit about that journey if you can, and, and um, then it'll lead us into other things as well. Sure, no problem. Um, so yes, I am Red Hat EMEA Financial Services Chief Technologist. It is a mouthful. Um, I do know that when people put acronyms in, some, some people understand them, some people don't. I get it. Um, I've been at Red Hat for, we'll kind of go, I'll start with a little bit about Red Hat and then how I got to where I am today. Cool. Um, and obviously it will mix some of the personal and business stuff and professional stuff. And I always think it's important to remind ourselves that they do go hand in hand. Um, whether we like it or appreciate it or not. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, so I, I joined Red Hat about two years ago, two and a bit years ago from the industry, um, from Deutsche Bank Wealth Management. And I was leading um, global regulatory and digital transformation initiatives. So, you know, for anybody who is heavy, deep into reg at, at banks, I delivered MIFID II for Deutsche Bank Wealth globally. And I had a, a portfolio of other um, depending on your point of view, sexy or unsexy uh, regulatory programs alongside a team as well. Um, and I, I I was kind of getting frustrated after that. So after that, I then took on a different role to um, implement a business develop, a digital business development function in Deutsche Wealth globally. It was called prospecting, but it was essentially digital business development. And I got a little frustrated because every time I wanted to speak with my colleagues in IT, I was kind of met with a, yeah, we're red, amber, or green. Well, well I, need, I need more details. I need more details because I was on the business side being in change. You're on the business side of the giant divide that still exists in not only banks, but a lot of big institutions around the world. Sure. And I got really tired with this red, amber, green stuff. I wanted a little bit more detail. Uh, and I wanted to understand what was going on. 
And so I kind of said, listen, what if I wanted to make a change and to take on a leadership role in the IT world? What would that, how, how could that dovetail with my career ambitions? And I kept getting told, well, you know, it might not be on or, on or off the MD track, blah, 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 the usual stuff. Right. So I decided to go and work for a tech company and learn about tech and bring my business knowledge and business skills over. Obviously, I do, as you alluded to, I also have an engineering degree. You typically don't go to Georgia Tech without having some sort of engineering That's background. Very true. <laughs> I wanted to take, take my education and my business knowledge within financial services and, and go and learn about the, the tech side, because as we all know, tech is absolutely not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that. Um, and I actually joined, I didn't join Red Hat at first. I joined Pivotal. Okay. Yep. And this is awesome, Grizz. <laughs> Four <laughs> weeks after joining the pandemic hit. <laughs> and they said, you need to go home now. <laughs> Yay. So, <laughs> And, you know, these things happen, right? The pandemic thing, thing, a lot of things changed. And I ended up getting a call from uh, somebody at Red Hat. Somebody I I knew through Pivotal as well. Hmm. And they said, listen, you know, we've met you a couple of times and we really think you'd be a great asset. Um, Would you like to apply for this job? And I said, yeah, of course. It's it's exactly this role that I have now is exactly what I left um, the banking industry for was, you know, to be able... um, so as I say to people, I kind of wear three hats. The first one is I do a lot of thought leadership, obviously things like this with yourself mm-hmm. and with Finos in general, uh, but also uh, internally working with our sales teams on helping educate them as to what actually goes on in the bank. Um, the other thing I do quite a lot of is um, strategy with the account teams and how we're going to market right. and how we help our customers. And then the last thing I do is, you know, I have a the, the best part about my job is actually I get to create relationships with some of our key customers and really act as their trusted advisor on their digital transformation journeys or open source journeys or hybrid cloud transformation journeys. And I know these are lots of buzzwords yep, and but... it is, it's like buzzword bingo, but sadly that's <laughs> the world that we live in. Um, so that's, but they are useful. I mean, with, within financial services, uh, it, you know, to, to get people from, you know, from, to understand just like the EMEA, I uh, got it that time. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's something that, you know, it is helpful. Digital transformation is something that we use, unfortunately, a lot in this industry, but, you know, it's technically what's going on. So, um, so yeah, buzzwords are fine, uh, especially on this podcast, because we hear them all the time. <laughs> well, you know, what's going to do your head in, Grizz, is I was at a conference this week speaking in Money Live Nordics mm-hmm. in Copenhagen. And one of the presenters got on stage and he said, uh, digital transformation 2.0. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I just put my head in my hands. But, but you know, it made me think <laughs> of um, one, of the, one of the podcasts I've been listening to regularly is the history of the industrial revolutions. Mm-hmm. And it made me think that, okay, maybe the digital transformation 2.0 is actually, you know, industrial revolution 5.0. And th- that, that, I just found that interesting. It could be. Could be. Uh, well, I mean, yes, we, we. It will take many years to go back and and have that hindsight, but um, uh, but yeah, it's it is a good word to explain generally what's going on, but the it it is such there's so many different pieces of it, and I'm sure that's what you deal with every single day, you know, the the discrete pieces of it that somebody you know 
people have to actually deal with within financial services banks, um, buy size, whatever they happen to be. Um, so, so yeah, I, um, Oh, I, I was. <laughs> Did I open I was, up a can of worms? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm but very but, sorry, Grant. Yeah, but the funny thing is, like, um, our our executive director just had to do uh, um, a podcast. I think it was with. I'm going to get it wrong. FinTech Futures, maybe. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that they have is like they have like word jail, and I it's and and, and you can yeah, and you can either like. Um, uh pull things out of jail or put or put words into jail and i'm sure digital transformation has gone back and forth but now Mm. you know like um i I forget which which word he used but digital transformation you know like innovation is another one too um digital transformation 2.0 can now uh start to go into jail anyway so 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 let's get back to you (laughs) (laughs) all that aside i i I thought you were gonna liken it to having a swear jar and you put you know, a pound in a jar every yeah. time you say DX. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I was not going to say I vomited in my mouth a little bit when you said it, but I, I was not going to say that at all. Um, this is a professional podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, and I'm not going to edit that out. So no, so, I think it's funny. Yeah. We should have a have a have a, a buzzword Bing. bingo swear jar equivalent. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so <laughs> I'm just going to plow on now. Please do. Thank you. Um, you, one of the things that, you know, you, you asked me a bit is, you know, how did I get here? How did a girl yeah. who went to Florida State and Georgia Tech end up in London? Um, and I would say a very circuitous route. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, this is where the, you know, business and pleasure mix. When I, when I first decided to go to graduate school at Georgia Tech in the year 2000, uh, no, 19, no, 2000, okay. I uh, signed up through the Industrial and Systems Engineering College, and I wanted to go and get a master's degree in financial engineering. Hmm. And on day one, I rocked up there. And in those days, it was six boys to one girl at Georgia yep. Tech. So, of course, I thought I was going to have lots of dates, which I did not have. <laughs> um, so I, I turn up to orientation on day one, and they said, um, yeah, just kidding. You can't do financial engineering mm. unless you're getting a PhD. And no way in hell was I going to say stay for a PhD. I wanted my master's degree. I wanted it in a year, and I wanted to get out and get into the real world. Yeah. And the other kind of thing that drove me as well is, I my grandparents were all immigrants from Italy, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to work in Europe. I did a summer in Paris when I was in university at Florida State, and I always and I really wanted to have a job in Europe, and I wanted to get back, get back to Europe, if you will. There was always always this pull for me. Yeah. And anyway, so I got there on day one and they said, you can't do financial engineering. You only have basically one choice. Mm. Okay. I guess that will be the choice that I do to get my master's degree. Nice. It was, it was a little bit like an autocracy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I did my master's degree. I, I got a, a minor or as they called it, a, um, I think it was a certificate in management of technology. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've completed my degree. I did all of my, any of my extracurriculars I could in more of the management type topics or technology type topics rather than the deep industrial and systems engineering topics like robotics or um, logistics, even though I did all the logistics stuff as well and the statistics right. stuff. Uh, and then I took off the summer traveling. Um, and I ended up in one of the places I visited was Guatemala on my travels. 
And I met an English girl and her and I were traveling together. And then we were in Antigua, which is a beautiful city in Guatemala. If you've never been, it's worth a visit to. And I'm not paid for by the Antigua Tourist Board. <laughs> and we were doing one of these, you know, day trips that was cycling through a banana plantation, going to a macadamia nut plantation, mm-hmm. all these sorts of weird and wonderful things that you do when you're 22. Right. And to be fair, I probably still do them now. Anyway, so, and on this tour was a Dutch gal. And so we met and we said, well, what, what do you do for a living? I live in Delft. I work in Hofdorp. Um, I'm a systems engineer. And I said, ooh, are you? <laughs> okay, uh-huh. then. <laughs> are you guys hiring? Uh-huh. And she said, I don't know. But, you know, talk talk about what you studied in school, what you wrote your thesis on, all of these things. And in undergraduate, I specialized. And I wrote my big final report on safety engineering. Uh-huh. And one of the partners at her consulting firm was a Canadian gal who knew Georgia Tech and was very involved in um, ISYE and things like that, the Institute of uh, Industrial and Systems Engineers. Okay. So when they forwarded my profile to the directors, they said, oh, this is interesting. Let's have a chat. Anyway, lo and behold, six months later, I was offered a job and I moved to the Netherlands nice. to be a safety engineering consultant. Um, my official title was RAMS consultant. So reliability, availability, maintainability and safety and security consultant. And that's what I specialized in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years. I then took a job at Intel in right. Amsterdam, right. where I met my now husband. Mm-hmm. You can see where all this is going. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and he's British. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> and we ended up back in the UK. Right. And, but I, I, all of that aside, you know, so, so the, the person that I met in, in Antigua, her name is Ilza. We are still in touch. Sure. Um, her and her husband and daughter have been all over the world as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've kept in touch for well over 20 years and we're still parts of each other's lives. Um, and, and for me, that was a real big turning point. Obviously that was a turning point in my life that led me to where I am today. And, and I think that's amazing. All right. And, um, it's one thing whenever I talk to, you know, to young women or kids and, and it's always, you know, always make sure you have a very good network and that you nurture it and you're going to find it in places that you never expect to find it like in a macadamia plantation in antigua this is true there, there's something and, to be said about the backpacking lifestyle that that you will meet a whole bunch of people this is yeah. this is something that in the states that we you know i don't think that most kids know about this but no they don't yeah um living in australia doing my mba over there um, and then traveling more in Europe, like, I'm like, oh, oh, this is the thing. And, you know, not only can you have fun, obviously, um, uh, all plantations, you know, macadamia nuts, uh, and bananas aside, but, but <laughs> like you will meet people that mm-hmm. may be instrumental in, uh, your career later on, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And your life as well. So, yeah. um, so we moved back to the UK, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. But I always had it in my head. I did want to get back into financial services. You know, that right. was where that was my own personal north star. And I know that we use and abuse that that word as well. That should be that should go in the the same jail as digital <laughs> transformation. Tick another pound in the square jar. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and 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 so I, I ended up uh, eventually working for a bank here in the UK, uh, helping build a data center. And I had never worked in IT at that point. I was still just a, a consultant. Other than Intel, obviously, but it was a, sure. not quite the same thing as, as as that. So I took a job at a bank 
uh, a small kind of cooperative bank that would be in, in the U.S., but it, it's known as a building society here in the U.K. Right, right. And helped build a data center, and I was leading the operations side of the data center, which was very cool. I mean, I had never stepped foot in a data center at that point in time. This was probably 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. 2009, something like that. Uh, and I got to use all my engineering skills as well. You know, there was lots of things around, is the floor strong enough to hold up a mainframe? These kinds of topics. Yeah, you wouldn't, but these problems actually exist. Right, I believe. And do we have enough air con to keep things cool? Where's the airflow going to go? So it was really interesting, in- interesting piece of work for me. But that was how I got my, finally got back into, you know, financial services where I really wanted to go nine years after graduating. Very cool. So I did that. And, and you know, I, I would always say my biggest skill and this comes back to my engineering degree as well. It's it's problem solving, and and mm-hmm. uh, so for me, it was that coupled with project management and 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 a natural born curiosity and commercial acumen really meant that I was really good at delivery, or meant that I was really good at delivery. So, you know, project and program management 10, 15 years ago was a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Now it's something that everybody understands and knows, and I think it's great. Finally. Yep. So that that's I've been progressed through through various uh, banks here in the UK in London, um, doing exactly that, delivering big large change programs, mainly focused in regulatory. Um, again, I found regulatory fascinating mm-hmm. uh, because it, it was a for me it was about trying to solve a problem and trying to solve a problem commercially, and I think it's starting to change now in banks, which is great, um, but. I don't know, six, eight years ago, even further back, you always would have your regulatory change stuff and you would have your hygiene change stuff and then you would have your digital transformation change. I swear to God, that is true. Yes. You know, So you have all these different pillars of change. And I always thought they should be together because if you're changing the way the business operates, you should be changing all facets of it, not just the rule part, the tech part, and you know, keep the business running part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it really fascinating because it was always underfunded. You had to do it and, and it was, you know, very much like a dirty word or unsexy or nobody really wanted to touch it because it was boring. Correct. And, um, I ended up, you know, always end up having to do lots of negotiation. Mm -hmm. You have to do a lot of horse trading with people. You have to go to very senior managers and say, listen, if I can't do this, you can't sell A, B and C products or D, E and F services. Nobody wants me to come in and do this. It's a rubbish rule or it is a good rule, depending. How, how can I help you so that you can help me? Yep. And, and so for me, that was always a magic equation um, through, throughout my career doing this. And I actually do quite miss that side of things as well, uh, that, that heart, you know, the delivery stuff and, and trying to solve these really complex problems and dealing with people, dealing with regulations, dealing with rules. And dealing with you know interesting systems that really were never made to designed to have to cope with some of these rules. Um, yep. so so that that's kind of how I got to where where I am now really. And then obviously I already talked to you a little bit about Deutsche and why I left. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason I really left was um, I felt like the big banks weren't changing fast enough. I felt like there was so much more out there from a technology point of view that could really help move the needle internally. You know, for the front line, for example, and how they manage money or how they manage client relationships, mm-hmm. things like that. And it all felt like everything was kind of bodged together or, you know, stuck together with, um, I'm going to use some Britishisms, sticky back plastic, you know, okay. so uh, duct tape, right? Everything was sort right. of 
together <laughs> rather than integrated in a proper cohesive manner. Mm-hmm. And I felt like actually maybe if I could go on to the other side of the fence, maybe I could help try to drive it in a different way so that we can have better financial services, more inclusive financial services uh, for ourselves and for the next generation um, of citizens, if you will. Sounds yeah. very altruistic, doesn't it? No, um, but <laughs> it, I mean, that, that's partially why we exist as an organization as well, mm. um, you know, because because somewhere back, you know, six years ago, um, there were people that, that saw a lot of this as, as well. And, you know, and, and when you talk about regulation, that's something I, I right right before we started talking, I was publishing um, a podcast uh, that was uh, it came from it was audio from a panel on regulation, innovation and and stories from the trenches that that mm-hmm. we did in um, OSFF and in July. And, you know, as former regulators, you know, talking about the, the struggles that, you know, they would go through as regulators, but, you know, but understanding the struggles that, that the financial services firms have to go through as well, because, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree or not, but, you know, but coming from the technology company side, it, it is, a, it, it's easier to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not so easy as, as a financial services company, bank, whatever it is, you know, that is actually regulated. Um, uh, so, but, but I will say, you know, um, we, we do have, uh, our chief or our, I always want to promote them to chief our technical architect, um, uh, here that, you know, he's been very surprised, um, to see, uh, you know, coming to kind of the other side of it, what type of cooperation has been happening with banks? What type of uh, change has been happening? You know, even since 2020, um, you know, where where everything accelerated. Ding. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. another word um, uh, because of the pandemic on our side. But um, but we are seeing, you know, we're seeing banks contribute open source projects and actually be involved. Anyway, but but that's you know, um, uh, but but yes, you know, there is a good reason for for being on the other side of that and trying to look in and with that knowledge that you already have, obviously, and seeing, you know, how can I make this better? And um, so I, I think that we have the same plight, um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is a plight. Yeah. But, but I, I, if I could pick up, Chris, on what you yes. just said about, you know, the pandemic, and I think that's absolutely the case. And I think if I Again, when I was this week speaking uh, at a conference, one of the things that still exists in banks, and they, you know, they're finally starting to acknowledge it openly. Mm-hmm. There are still lots of silos. Yeah. Now, this is Monica's opinion, not Red Hat's opinion, and I'm not sure. licensed to give financial advice. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, but I do think the three lines of defense model has has something to do with this. And when you want to to do tech stuff and you want to release tech fast and you mm-hmm. want to respond and give your your clients customers the same experiences that they have you know from their favorite film streaming provider or online shopping or whatever mm-hmm. you have to move fast yeah. i remember one of the first projects i managed in a bank minimum 12 weeks to get a server for test uh, for dev yeah. sorry for dev for dev wow and and those were the rules Yep. And do you know why well, I talked to somebody who's still there and they said that rule is still there. You know, so if we have these barriers in place, whether that's because of the three lines defense or whether that's because we have c- 
control frameworks that need to be modernized mm-hmm. is is probably a different conversation for a different day. But I think probably the answer is C, all of the above. Right. <laughs> and and also I think actually I think the answer is D, and I think there's a third a third element in there, which I do think there's an element of fear here. Mm. And I think a lot of it is people are afraid to change because they feel like they might lose their job. Yeah. One of the biggest common complaints I have when talking to customers is why can't I get more automation and my people won't let me do it because they're afraid of losing their job, mate. That's why. Right. Right. Very simple. This is this is industrial revolution 1.0 stuff, right? People didn't want robots because they were going to lose their jobs. They yep. didn't think that actually if they could operate the robots, they'd have a job for life. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's... So, so for me, it's those three things that are preventing us from going further and offering better products and services to you and I and to our families in the next generation. Yeah. But I also think that the the pandemic really it forced the regulators to allow more things to happen digitally. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting. You say I say this. I I, I always say like to tell stories. And my husband and I were refinancing our mortgage. Thankfully, we did it before interest rates went up. Right. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I kind of lost my cool a little bit with the mortgage advisor because they said, you actually have to go into the branch and you have to sign all these papers and we have to verify that you're who you are. And I said, but you opened up my account on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did my ID and V checks with pictures of my passport and your, and your app, your robot, taking a picture of me from the front and from the side. Why do I have to go in there now? Oh, well, it's the rule. But you rolled that rule back for, for COVID. Is that rule now back in place that I have to go and do what signature? And they yeah. couldn't answer me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And I think we're at that time where we do need to start as consumers challenging the banks and going, do I really need to go in there? You have all my money. You've right. done my IDV and ID and V checks. You've run me through all your systems. We've had three conversations on Zoom. You've seen me hold my passport up. Mm-hmm. Really? Do I have to? So yeah. I think it definitely gave us an, a, a, a nudge, but I think maybe the industry needed to push. I I don't, I, I will say that I'm, I'm probably with you if you're saying that the push hasn't been there yet. Um, but, uh, uh, but it, I guess there are signals that, yeah. Things are moving in the right direction. Um, and, and yeah, I, 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 I want to go back to the automation thing for a second, because yeah. I will say that, you know, uh, especially this year, e- even within our small team, like we've actually been working on a lot of automation tasks. Um, and, and there was, you know, there was a concern, um, you know, even in a small team, again, like, you know, what's going to happen, like all of a sudden it frees up time for my people. And mm-hmm. when it frees up time for my people, what am I going to have them do? Well, guess what? You can do higher level stuff because everything exactly. automated you and you don't value. have to do all the stupid stuff. So anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 I understand the fear um, because you, you don't want to lose your job. Um, no. But but I, I, I have, you know, firsthand through this industry and other industries seeing you know how automation actually can again get you to where you're doing higher level thing you know just like um open source within financial services like all the open source projects we have are non-ip based they are they are baseline things you know that all the banks have to do 
um, and, yeah. and because of regulations. And so, so you know, um, Hillary Carter, who's the head of research for the Linux Foundation, um, she helps us with her state of open source and financial services survey mm -hmm. and report that comes out yearly now. And she and and she said, like, you know, hey, you know, let's let's not have to compete on the the you know kind of the dumb stuff, the the things well, yeah, that everybody exactly. has exactly. Yeah, let, let's like let's get that as a baseline. And now you're competing on the cool stuff. You're competing on the things that really actually matter to a consumer, to you know another bank or a buy side or whatever happens to be within your industry. Um, which you know it, it's looking at automation and, and open source, you know, th the same way. Anyway, um, I'll stop my rant as well. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. I, I love that though because that's actually a nice segue anyway for us to have a chat about open source and why it's yeah. important and how it's changed. And I think, I think th there's a couple things wrapped up in that, right? I think the first one is knowledge and education. I think a lot of the decision makers don't understand what open source means. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had conversations with heads of infrastructure, heads of architecture, CIOs that mm -hmm. think open source equals freeware. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And now take it up a level to the C-suite. Um, these, these are people that are not digital natives. These are people right. older than I am, probably older than we are. Yes. Um, maybe not terribly tech savvy because they don't have to be. Right. And although tech savvy is a spectrum, but anyway. True. <laughs> and they don't understand what open source means, right? For them, again, it's something that can be hacked. We've all seen the film Sneakers. Right. We've all seen um, the girl in the with the dragon tattoo, all of these hackers, right. right? We've all seen these hacker films. Yep. And and it's easy to assume that because it's open source, it's more vulnerable to a hack. And if it's more vulnerable to a hack, you put, you raise your firm's cybersecurity risk posture. Nobody wants that on their watch. No. So for me, a huge amount of this is education and understanding. And and actually the opposite is true, right? When you use open source software, I think you arguably get a more secure product yep. because you have more eyes on it. Exactly. And you have different eyes on it rather than the same old eyes in your firm. Exactly. Um, and and so so for me, the this is an ed, this is an education barrier. But again, to your point, right? Absolutely, for the basic stuff, everything should be open source. And like you said, you know, you, you add value with your client experience, with your customer experience, with your products and services. You add value with your brand and what makes you mm -hmm. unique. You don't add value with your onboarding journey, which should be arguably very similar from bank to bank or insurance company to insurance company, right? Right. So, no. so yeah, I think we're um, speaking from the same, <laughs> we, hymn, singing from the same hymn sheet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, I think you came to that through the financial side and going into open source. And I came through the open source side coming into financial services and, mm -hmm. and and yeah, that, that kind of is the middle ground for everything. I, I I would say too that you know, like my kids, you know, and one's going through, you know, looking at cybersecurity right now for college next year. That that he and and my daughters will, you know, like this will not be a thing that they will have to deal with. And and as as they get older, as they rise up in companies, if that's what they do, then then. The, the I, I think developers now are you know like 
they're they're discovering that they have you know some of them start in open source whereas that wasn't a mm. thing 20 years ago no i mean uh, github is amazing for for kids for young kids exactly. it's a resume um you know it, or it can be the resume so that they can actually get hired and and they may be you know 12 years old <laughs> some of them you know Gosh, building you know, open i remember learning html <sighs> HTML. i started html4 and um uh, I did it all by hand. My first website was built yeah. by hand. Me too. Um, and that was 97, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you're right. For your kids, it's a totally different world. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 my kids are not um, CIOs, you know, in large financial no. firms who are dealing with regulatory things and technology things and, you know, things. I mean, when you have something like Log4j, Log4Shell, you know, that starts off the year and, you know, here in the States where, you know, then the White House is getting involved with how do we solve the open source problem? Like, you know, like it's what problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because the thing is, is is the open source is not the problem. What the problem was is people don't understand their software supply chain. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, it, just like we all learned with the pandemic, actually, just like what we learned when the tanker went down in the Suez Canal. Mm -hmm about supply chains. Nobody right. really understood them because we lived our lives with the Toyota just-in-time mentality since the 80s. Yep. Well, software is the same way. And until we start getting people to appreciate and understand that, um, you know, we had that here, one of our customers, they were running their payment system uh, natively in one of the hyperscalers. And there was a major outage in December mm -hmm. and um, over Christmas period. Yeah. And yeah. Somebody, you know, so the CTO had to go, you know, to the powers that be and the powers that be said, well, what happened? And the CTO said, mm, don't know, because when you it's a tendency when one outsources to the public cloud and uses their container platforms natively, mm -hmm. everything from the container below is invisible to you. That right. means you don't have a clue what's in your supply, software supply chain. Right. And you don't Log know. Log4j is another great example of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know what's below the stuff you've outsourced because you've outsourced that problem, you've removed 50 risks from your risk register. Guess mm -hmm. what? You've added another hundred that you don't even know that you've added. All right. All right. And that's where, you know, you have to have a different conversation now because technology is moving so quickly. And I don't think we're quite there yet as a as a community of financial services, I don't know, employees or stakeholders where people quite get that yet. Yep. Well, I, I think for some people who like hot sauce and sriracha, five years ago, you would have told them that there was a tanker off the coast of California that was not able to get in for whatever reason, um, you know, and could not bring the sriracha to the U.S. And, and the, you know, then you then you can show a direct correlation between exactly. what's not on your shelf or yeah. in your house. And, you know, there's a supply chain issue. It's dumb. It's pretty easy to make yourself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that. I like their stuff. Anyway. It's not, I, I have made it before. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, when I was, I was bored during lockdown. I, okay. Okay. So other people did sourdough bread and you did sriracha. Gotcha. Yeah. I made hot sauce. Nice. <laughs> um, that is a great segue <laughs> into. <laughs> into um an event that uh, you were just at um oh, let's see a couple of weeks ago now the Tech gateway event yeah, yes yeah um and so uh um 
I don't know exactly when you got involved in it, if it was day of or if it was before that, but, you know, tell us, you know, tell us about Tech Gateway. Tell us, you know, in your eyes, what it was for and what what was trying to be accomplished. Um, and then, you know, maybe some experiences either that you had or you saw other people having as well. Sure. So I was told, asked asked to go by one of my colleagues here who's very who's very close with our relationship with yourselves in, in, in London or in cool. the UK. Yep. And he said, listen, would you mind going? And I said, of course, I would love to go. Are you kidding me? This is the kind of stuff I love. So um, I, we've been talking about my day job. My non-day job <laughs> is I lead Red Hat's um, women's leadership community globally. So I'm, I'm the, the chairwoman for it. Okay. And I'm very passionate about, you know, making sure the next generation of, of technologists does include some girls. Yep. Um, and specifically, you know, studying STEM degrees. So wherever I can have an opportunity to meet some some young young women, I I do it. I take it because I remember when I was going through Georgia Tech, like I jokingly said, right, the ratio of boys to girls was six to one. Yeah. Yeah. There were very few women for me to look up to. Yeah. Uh, there were very few people for me to have a decent conversation with uh, then. And I want to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen and that my nieces have an and my nieces have a better shot at things, a different shot at things maybe than than I did because I think I've ended up okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm and I'm also a Girl Guides leader or Girl Scouts to those in the states uh, okay. leader here in Southwest London. So I, I get to see lots of different you know young girls come through as well and Very try cool. to influence them that way. So when I have have an opportunity to go to these things, I absolutely go out of my way to do that. Mm-hmm. And especially the Tech Gateway event uh, in in this particular part of London was also about trying to engage. Uh, kids from the local communities, which maybe might not be as privileged as some of the other ones. Um, when I say local communities around the city of London, which is where all of the banks are. Right. Um, you know, so it's one thing to look out your window and, and see another, you know, run down brick building where you live in. And then to your left and then to your right, see a giant shiny skyscraper and right. thinking, you know, these guys are making all this money. I live in this crappy little run down brick building. The whole idea is, is is to lift up everybody in the physically surrounding area. And I love things like that, right? Because, you know, you've got to, education is the key to everything. Um, so that's what this event was about. Um, so we did work with, with you all on helping organize it. I didn't. We had some other people that did. I was traveling that week before. Um, but I, I came to the event, spent all afternoon with, I guess, at the event, um, we had a table, Red Hat had a table up. So we were, you know, chatting with lots of, lots of, um, I guess kids. I mean, they're in their twenties. I really can't call them kids, but I, I'm almost 50. So I'm going to call them. Yeah. No offense. I, I, I feel like I can call me. them kids, yeah, yeah, but exactly. I don't want to be disparaging <laughs> because I think when I was 22, I would have been offended if somebody called me a kid, yeah, uh, young people, uh, yep. from, from all around that part of London, which was great. So I met some really fascinating, I mainly met uh, young women, mm-hmm. uh, really fascinating young women. And we talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about sport. We talked about tech. We talked about engineering. We talked about books. We talked about culture. Yeah. Um, we talked about travel. Uh, it was, do you know, I, I, I love these things, Grizz, because I know it's going to sound like um, a book or something, you know, like I'm reading scripts, but I'm really not. I'm starting to love to learn from the next generation, maybe two generations down, because they have an interesting viewpoint and and I'm not going to say that maybe they're more educated than I was at that age because they're not, Mm -hmm. but they have this different kind of way of communicating than you and I would have had when we were at that age. Yeah. 
I think it's just the way the world has evolved. So I'm, I'm interested to learn and, and reflect on how I can actually be a better, you know, mentor, be a better grown up, um, for lack of a better way to put it. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I, it, it kind of also, how can I say this? Refreshed my faith in humanity and the next generation. Oh, don't go that far. No, that is exactly what something I, like that is. Yeah, is but for. what's the point of what's the point of giving your time if you don't feel like it matters? Exactly. As Agreed. well. Agreed. Meaning, being meaningful in the things that you do in order to be, you know, help other people be good people and and to be a good person yourself. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a two way street. Mentoring is always a two way street as well, um, and. You, you don't want to just go and talk at people. You want to talk with people. Right. No, I, I total agreement with you. And, uh, and you know, like I, uh, I think I told you I have two daughters. Um, one definitely going to be a dancer. That's her thing. Um, but two, you know, uh, the other one is, you know, she's really interested in engineering. She's really interested in architecture. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh so when you say you know you would like them to have a, a different i think you're right a different experience than you did um i don't always believe in the easy path because i i, I no, yeah, yeah. there's no such thing but, exactly but it can be slightly easier and and you know just because I, I i don't believe in the easy path because because i don't know if you feel the reward from it as much yeah, however, however, it doesn't have to be so damn hard as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, you should not have to crawl exactly. over hot coals exactly. to get an engineering degree. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and so, you know, I, I hope I hope Georgia Tech and, and some of the other places that uh, that she's will look at event. She's in ninth grade. Um, but, you know, that that it is a better ratio, um, not just for dating purposes, but but uh, as you're saying, yeah. but but also, you know, like just because in, in when we are seeing it now too, like, you know, some of those people that, um, you know, were part of that one to six ratio are teaching now as well. And so, yeah, yeah exactly. And they're going to bring some of the, their experiences back in as well. Exactly. Exactly. And so I want her to have people to look up to. I want my other daughter to have people to look up to within dance. I want my son to have people to look up to in cybersecurity. And, and you know, he actually got to um, introduce, um, oh, Joanna Mendez, who was the, um, at, at something he was at this, this summer, but um, she was the, um, the head of disguise for the CIA. Oh, know, wow. Um, and, and so like, That's you know, awesome. Yeah, and, and so it was like, a, even though that's maybe a little more national security instead of cybersecurity, you know, it was like, hey, there's a really cool person who's been there and literally done that. Um, if you look her up, um, that, you know, like, like she started the program for disguise in the CIA, um, you know, so, 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 yes, I, I, I hope that maybe from this event that, that there were some, you know, folks, uh, female non-female i i i don't want to go you know <laughs> to different places yeah yeah but but that um you know that that felt like okay you know there is an opening and and also from you know underrepresented minorities but also just you know i i grew up poor and mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and, and so, you know, yeah, I have looked at that brick building next to the skyscraper mm -hmm. and gone, what the heck? So, you Is know, not even possible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, and like you said, you know, my route here was not easy, but, um, but I've figured out how to do it and, and had a pretty good time along the way as well. Uh, so, so I hope that for some of those kids slash 22 year olds, young people, um, you know, that you met, um, you know, I, I, with the conference we have coming up in, in December, you know, we are reaching out to more students, um, you know, to try to bring them in as well and, um, you know, give them scholarships in order to, you know, let them, you know, network with people that, that they probably would not see on a daily basis. Exactly. Um, and that's, and that's why I think these events are really important to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. Because it, 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 I also think we need to show kids the next generation, the art of the possible. Yeah. And, and I think it's, now I'm going to sound old. <laughs> I think they see way too much on social media mm -hmm. and not enough in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair assessment. And the art of the possible is not the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. The art of the possible is you and I. Yeah. Not, I will say that, you know, again, I, I, I'm not trying to bash the Kardashians. No, 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 but they've they, they, in trouble. It's, it's <laughs> probably me. gotten into a crazy place. But, you know, I, I do remember the initial story, which was, you know, Kim Kardashian. I think she started as a stylist for others, for celebrities before. Yes, she and now she's a celebrity. got a so, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, there, there was, there was something to, you know, she took hold of something. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, it, but again, you never know where success is going to come from. You don't know, you know, um, how it will affect you. And, um, and, you know, again, there, there are people that you met that, you know, you know, may end up being successful engineers. They may end up being successful, you know, technologists within financial services, and they may do other things that, you know, you hope that they just, you know, seek the opportunities in order to make their lives better. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the now now I'm going to make it go full circle. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of open source, right? Is that it's it's by nature, it's diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what, you know, when I when I speak with the powers that be at Red Hat and we talk about DEI and why it's important and what's the value of it, mm -hmm. I just go very, very simply and say it replicates the open source software development model. You know, it it, it is diverse in nature and it serves diverse clientele by nature. Yep. This is why it matters. Yep, I, 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 I think you hit a walk-off home run, or oh, in cricket. Or is that in a cricket. Mic drop? I'm not. Yeah, it's mic drop. I'm not sure what it is in cricket. Um, but uh, or or um, what would we say in cricket? I don't know. <clears throat> I I love cricket. But Me too. I, what do we? If we just say I hit a six. Hit a six. I hit it for six. Boom. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for your insight as well. And, and um, great learning about your journey here, but also, you know, how, you know, back to the full circle, how open source, you know, influences financial services, but also how, um, you know, it is a, a good model or, you know, comes from the model of, of increasing um, diversity within, you know, what we do every single day. So um, yeah. thank you for, for helping with that. Um, particular conference and and hope to get you involved again and, and things like that as well in the future absolutely i'm, I'm also involved in the regulatory sig i do all the fun oh, stuff oh good <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> i was going to mention that at some point but yeah um good but good 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 um uh very good 
So my, my pleasure, Grizz. I hope you have a good weekend. It's Friday. If people didn't, or maybe we're not telling people it's Friday, but it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday somewhere. No, I don't, no, that's not how that works. That's, that's, yeah. that's Jimmy Buffett. It's five yes. o'clock somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, thank you again, Monica. And um, I will um, uh, put, is it cool to put your LinkedIn information? Yep. On the put everything you need in there. Okay, sweet. Um, all right. Uh, well, with that, I'm going to say thank you again. And then I'm going to say to our audience, good day, good night, wherever you are.